We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Are you crying? No. Are you crying? Are you crying? There's no crying. There's no crying in baseball. You think football is still fun? Uh, yes. Sir. Yes, no. No? Sir, sir uh, it was fun. Not anymore, though, is it? Is it? No, not by No, it's not fun anymore. Not even a little bit. Just look at that. He hit the fall. That gets a free stay. <laughs> you having fun yet? Oh, yeah. I'm having a blast. Thanks. Good. All right, welcome back to Big Screen Sports, the podcast where all movies are sports movies. I am your host, Kyle Bandujo, and today we are doing a, a redo of an old episode of Big Screen Sports. Uh, if you've been listening for a while, you know that kind of shaking the dust off some movies that we covered very early in the show's run. We got a lot of new categories, and frankly, the show's better than it was when it started out over four years ago. But uh, today we're we're tackling one of my favorites, a movie that was voted on by the Big Screen Sports Patreon group, uh, Little Big League, me, Danny Weiser, Mike Schubert, both returning to the pod. Uh, big shout out to the patrons for voting this movie, actually making it second in, in multiple months. We'll get into uh, why this this was the patron choice. But as always, want to shout out our producer-level patrons. That is Aaron Figueroa, Mike Schubert, Steve Rogers, Kevin Frost, Mike D, Ryan Eager, Mike Trees, Chris Mykoski, John Craig, Sam Smith, Zach Rich, Classics 85, Jason Alba, Stephen DeBoe, Dan McFall, Kevin Inkleman, Mac Lindsay, Kurt Ritchie, Robert Dove, Jim Scroggs, Andrew Teagle, Real Juan Balagu, Jeff Estes, and Anthony Scafone. Big thanks to them and all of our patrons for supporting the show and continuing to nominate and vote on movies for the show to cover, giving us a direction of what needs to be talked about on this show. Like I said, uh, redoing the Little Big League episode, Little Big League, one of my favorites, a movie that both of my guests, one of them, Danny, I knew loved. Mike was revisiting it for the first time. And, uh, you know, folks, we've won over another one of of the Little Big League contingent. Um, But great stuff. Go check out what both of those guys are doing. Danny at the Rank Kings, Mike at the Newest Olympian, uh, both just great podcasters, hardworking guys, guys who have great shows. Uh, so check them out, follow them, you know, links will be in the show notes to, to check out what they're doing. And, uh, with that, let's get right to it. Let's talk Billy Haywood, the 1994 fictional Minnesota twins and little big league. All right. Returning to the pod, two of my favorites from the rankings, Danny Weiser and the hardest working man in podcasting. It's been a while. Mike, the hardest working and most well-traveled man in podcasting. Now, oh. Mike Schubert, guys, guys, welcome to the show. I'm excited to be to here. I'm very excited to be here. 
to cover this film that I know you love so dearly and I used to poke fun at you for and I'm I'm happy to be here and to be corrected. Uh, I'm I'm couldn't be more happy for that. Guys, I want to start off with if Joe can paint a house in 3 hours and Sam can paint the same house in 5 hours. How how long does it take them to paint the house together, the same house? I think Bowers is the right answer, right? I'm pretty sure it is. I should know this. My uncle's a painter. <laughs> my, when they were first doing it, I was like, is it just four? That feels too easy, like, to just do <laughs> divide by two. But I think the equation Bowers uses is the right one. At least it felt right. He said it with such conviction, and it made sense. Bowers is a man who he is very convincing. Anything he says, you know, he believes. And that's, mm-hmm. I think that's like an important thing of, of just speaking in general. Even if you're kind of bullshitting your way through something, as long as you sound like you believe it, people are yeah. going to think you're right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. L- Lonnie asking what color paint is Loki. One of the funniest lines in this whole movie. <laughs> it gets me every time. What color paint? <laughs> it's incredible. Uh, before we get into tonight's wonderful flick, uh, Danny, what's going on at the rankings? Uh, we're still kind of in weird summer mode. Ty is still gone working at camp. He's gone for another God month and a half, probably at this point. So lots of pre-recorded episodes, lots of episodes without him. Um, we did just send, send out uh, Expelli August gifts to our patrons and some of our friends. Sent out some custom made stickers, so uh, uh-huh, just hanging out, ranking stuff, you know. Yeah, I got mine today, and they were wonderful. I've got it, got it right here for the people not watching at home. Yeah, our friend, uh, friend Mikey P. I just sent him a very vague like, "Hey, do you want to design a sort of Harry Potter, but not exactly Harry Potter themed sticker mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. for my show?" And put the logo on it somewhere, and that's literally all the direction I gave him. And he came back to me like very quickly with a very good design, no notes. So, really stoked about it. So, really excited I was able to send out some stickers to people that pay for this show that we then had to change for like three months while Ty is gone for the summer. So I figured they deserved a nice little treat. Yeah, I I enjoyed my treat. And Mike, you're a man who knows about avoiding Harry Potter copyright. So what's uh, what's going on with you? What's going on with the newest Olympian? Quite a lot. I mean, newest Olympian right now, we are, in terms of the podcast, just getting into book five. In terms of me, I'm way ahead of it because we did a boatload of shows on tour. So I'm, in my real life, almost done with book five. Uh, and then we get to get into some of the fun spinoffy stuff, the atrocious movies. There's going to be some really fun stuff. I know I got to get I got to get Danny. I got to get the rankings on because I know we talked and you guys are Percy Jackson boys. And then yeah. I feel like I was on rankings and then I traveled for 10 months. And uh, now that I'm back, I'm like, ah, so we'll have to make that connection finally happen. But yeah, it's Anytime. it's been good. Those books are good. And I am enjoying covering it over on the News Olympian. And there is a series coming out, is there not? Did that there get shelved? Is. No, so it is still going on. I believe they finished all of the filming before Writer Strike stuff went down. So now that mm-hmm. they're just editing, I think it's not actually going to halt stuff. Um, I think. I'm not positive. But I think it's slated to come out like sometime early in 2024. So I will, of course, cover it. I think I'm going to very much take your Ted Lasso approach where whatever I'm doing once the season comes out, be like, skirt, and then cover the show, putting up episodes the Monday after whenever they come out. So that'll be a fun era as well. Yeah, that's that's the move. Well, um, it's good that they're they're rectifying 
you know the the bad movie that they made with that. Yeah. But tonight cow, we're covering we're covering a movie that doesn't have to be rectified. No. It is fantastic. We are talking about fucking Little Big League, the 1994 <laughs> family baseball comedy. A young boy is bequeathed the ownership of a professional baseball team, and not just any professional baseball team, the professional baseball team, the Minnesota Twins. It started Luke Edwards, Timothy Busfeld, and John Ashton, and a bunch of big leaguers. This is it. It has a 33% Rotten Tomato score, but folks, Crime. Roger Ebert, Roger Ebert gave this one three and a half stars. So good, thank yeah, God. Exactly, oh, yeah. and this is obviously I, when I grew up, I wanted to be Billy Haywood. Like, I obviously mm-hmm. I didn't like want my grandpa to die, but he also didn't right. own the Twins. <laughs> sure, might have might have thought differently if he owned the Twins, but I, I wanted to <laughs> be Billy Haywood. Uh, you know, I was obviously a Twins fan. I loved this movie. I was thrilled to revisit it as an adult and be like, this is even better than I remembered. Yeah. Um, covered it on a very early episode of this podcast when the show was in its infancy and frankly not very good. So we are, we're revisiting today. Mike, I want to start with you because, uh, y- you know, I, you held the take that Rookie of the Year was better before revisiting this one. You have uh-huh. since watched Little Big League. Right. You know, w- what was it like diving back into this movie? Yeah, so here's the thing. I've seen Little Big League exactly one time before this. And the only things I remembered from it was the thing where you could where they walk and then they go to second base because I remember being a baseball player at the time being like that's cool because I loved it like my team we used to run like trick plays all the time and I loved that and I never thought of it so I remembered that I knew it was about the twins I knew like the general premise and I thought I don't know what for every reason I forgot the whole like Ken Griffey Jr. Mariners thing. I thought that the movie involved them beating the Yankees, which was like this annoying thing that would happen in like 90s to 2000s content where they were like, oh, we have to make villains in the film or the TV show or whatever. Like, let's make it the Yankees and let's make this shitty team beat the Yankees. And as a Yankees fan, I was like, this is so unrealistic. Like, we've won four straight World Series and which should have been five if not for a poorly made bat. But, like, you're going to have your squad beat the Yankees fine. So I thought that happened in this movie, which is, like, part of why I was grumbly about it. The other thing is I have such, like, a nostalgic love for Rookie of the Year, not because it's actually a good movie, but because we used to watch the crap out of it at tennis camp that I used to go to in New Jersey. And I just have, like, a nostalgic love for that movie, which is, like, bad but also perfect at the same time. So to hear you slander rookie of the year which is probably objectively a bad film i was just like okay well now i will hate his favorite film (laughs) i will hate his favorite film little big league uh for no valid reason and as i said before recording like 10 minutes in i was like fuck this movie's good it's like (laughs) genuinely good like not even just like sports movie good it's just it is an enjoyable film it is a good film that 34 percent around tomatoes is a crime this movie is very good even you don't even have to do the thing where it's like you're going in and you got to be like, okay, it's a kid's baseball movie. Now are my expectations? No, it's just a good movie. It's an enjoyable flick. That's it right there because this movie is good for kids. Because So like last night we did the rewatch. Me and my wife and our nine-year-old. Nine-year-old loved it. Me mm-hmm. and my wife loved it. There are a lot of mo- – Rookie of the Year is cert- is not as much for adults anymore. Like there's not no, this. It's this so is cheesy. a legit. Yeah, this is a legit good movie, Danny. I know you're big on Rookie of the Year, and before we get in, I do want to shout out the the Big Screen Sports Patreon group for this was a this is twice a bridesmaid to redo this episode, <laughs> and then 
Angels in the Outfield won last month's poll, and last night we learned that Angels in the Outfield is fucking in the witness protection program. Cannot find it on stream. Nowhere. Nowhere. We're going to have to send you guys DVDs so we can do that. So, But Danny, I know you were riding hard for Little Big League, so revisiting it. Your thoughts, Little Big League rips. I watch it every year, so like it hasn't really <laughs> even been that long since I watched it. Pretty much every time baseball season starts back up and like really gets in the swing of things, June, July, I get the itch to to rewatch Little Big League. So yeah, I remember every beat. I'm quoting it along with while I'm watching the movie. I love Angels in the Outfield. I was really excited to talk about it, especially the nonsense that Whit Bass gets up to on the mound, just the logistics of how that just does not work um was really excited to talk about that but i was so stoked when you sent the text saying hey we have to pivot to a little big league because i've just been itching like first i've been bitching at patrons in your patreon about choosing this movie and like Uh, mad at them uh, about uh. like never letting this win and never understood it um but yeah i was really really stoked to finally be able to cover this movie on on a podcast yeah, I, I think it was the best pivot we could possibly have. I was, 100%. you know, because like once I realized that Angels of the Outfield wasn't streaming anywhere, I was like, okay, we've we got a problem here. We need to fix this problem. We need to fix it with something comparable. And this this movie to me is it's still really funny. And the baseball action in this movie, it actually, watching it now, it kind of reminded me of what they did with Hustle, where they just, they filled it with actual talent. And as I always say on this show, if you fill your sports movie with actual athletes, that stuff comes through because they have stuff that you just cannot teach. You Most of that Twins team in this movie were actual baseball players. Some of them mm-hmm. big leaguers, some of them minor leaguers. Like, it, it, that stuff just comes through. These guys carry themselves like ball players, and then you fill in the spots where you need a little acting juice you know, with, with actual actors. Although, like... McGreevy in this movie, I think that that actor famously, you know, in Gilmore Girls for all for all those yeah. seasons, like an actual actor, that dude yeah. was in Triple A. He throws Ched. So <laughs> athletes can act too. Like this, this is great. Danny, I'll kick it to you. Hall of Fame All Star starter or bench warmer sports movie? Uh, it does not matter how many times you ask me to be on the show. This will be the easiest Hall of Fame I've I will ever give out in the history of big screen sports. Mike. I'm torn between Hall of Fame and All Star. Come on, I'm, it's like I it's I would it's a solid All Star for sure. But like I I and as we'll get into it, the uh, I think the middle of the film where the kid becomes a dick it pre- is preventing it from being <laughs> an all, uh, an All of Fame for me because it's like we can get into it, but it's just like everything about it was great except for that middle portion where it's just like I don't like this, and all the other parts are so good. So. I think I'm going to give it an all-star. It is so close to Hall of Fame. So close. I am obviously going to go Hall of Fame and in for a couple of reasons. One, the Minnesota Twins. Just mm. what, a, what a great choice. They actually, this uh, this was originally dreamed up to be the Royals. I read that in the IMDb trivia, but uh, uh, it was obviously, it was easier to film in the Metrodome. Easier to film in the yeah, indoor stadium. Um, but what I said earlier, this being a, you know, adults and kids enjoy this movie like this is a movie my wife and i love as much as my nine-year-old loves but in terms of sports movies that you can watch with children and enjoy them just as much as the children that's a very very small list uh the sandlot Mm -hmm. is still very like that's still Mm -hmm. one that Mm -hmm. kids and adults enjoy the same but at some point there with all these movies at some point there's a tipping point 
to how much you enjoy them versus how the kids enjoy them. And the fact that this is like equal enjoyment, kids, kids and, and adults, I think that is like, that's a very small niche that not a lot of films hit. So I, I think for that, I think is a very successful execution and just generally a great baseball movie. If you go, I, I, I must, I'm sure I said this the last time I, I covered it, but if you go into this and you just say, okay, I am just going to accept that they gave a 12 year old, a baseball team. If, if I can accept that, that this is something that could, and you know, could happen, then everything else with the baseball is pretty plausible and pretty good. Like, yeah. And for this film, like, if if you're going to come away from this film being like, well, that would never happen. Like, that's the movie. The movie is a kid gets to own and then manage a baseball team. Like, you have to accept it. You, It would be like being mad at a Spider-Man movie because radioactive spiders can't turn people into Spider-Man. Like, you have right, says to. says who? I, I, well, I, curmudgeons, but like, that's the thing. If anyone's gripe is going to be like, oh, it's unrealistic. Like that is the crux of the film. Like you just have to accept it and then you can hate on other things. But if you're going to take issue with the realism of the 12 year old owning and managing the team, that's what has created this thing you're watching. So shut up. Exactly. If you can come to peace with that, you're going to have a really good time at this movie. Uh, just a huge fan. There's a couple different bits of the IMDb trivia that, that were were fun. I already talked about you know the the Ebert review and his three and a half star review. Ebert gave the film praise for being a family movie that doesn't dumb down for its audience or feel predictable. Raj, love that. Uh, John Gordon, who played broadcaster Wally Holland, was the oh, real life great. voice a, a real life voice <gasps> of the Minnesota Twins until he announced wow. his retirement after the 2011 season. That's well, impressive. Used, yeah, he's a good actor. I thought that was just like an actor doing a thing, but him actually being the voice of the Twins, huge. Yeah. Yeah, uh, while well, his use of silly statistics, for example, batting average against left-handed pitchers <sighs> faced at home for the first time in the last month of the season is a parody. So he good. did use his trademark home run call when he said, touch them all, Mickey Scales. Mm. So good. The announcer is always a, a very important part of these films because mm-hmm. often it's, they serve as, as our narrator, really. They're, right. they're kind of filling us in. Obviously, Bob Euchre in Major League, kind of the, the pristine example. But this is yeah. – and I will say that's one of the areas that Rookie of the Year does very well is having John Candy as the announcer. announcer. That's, right. That's, that's good stuff. But that's cool that this dude is legitimately the announcer. But you're right. Like, the announcers play such a big role. I mean, I think just a bit outside is probably the most quoted line from Major League, and that's mm-hmm. not yeah. from – any of the characters that are on the team. Yeah. Yeah. Um, this one I loved. Many of the fictional players wear the same uniform as their factual counterparts did during the 1993 season. For instance, uh, number 11, Mickey scales, the twins, second baseman, uh, Chuck Knobloch also wore 11, um, you know, 38 blackout Gatling and Rick Aguilera blackout Gatling is a big beefy guy. Rick Aguilera looked like he weighed about 130 pounds. So that one's interesting. <laughs> so they all like a bunch, there's a bunch of Mike McGreevy and Scott Erickson who like weirdly kind of look alike now that I think yes, about I it. Say, they, they sort yeah. of like are, look very similar, like yeah. weirdly. Yeah. Uh, Google Scott Erickson after we get done with this, by the way, he recently got into some nonsense. Um, mm. Yeah, not not great. Not great stuff. Uh, Billy Haywood's number 20 was a doubling of manager. Tom Kelly's number 10. D.H. Leon Alexander's 23 was a reversal of Dave Winfield's 32. And first know. baseman Lou Collins's four was later worn by Paul Molitor. We're going to get into some Lou Collins talk because one of my favorite mm-hmm. movie characters of all time. 
Well, did you see the trivia that who's the actor that plays Luke Collins? Timothy Timothy, Timothy Busfield. Busfield. He was cast as someone else, and then he ended up being Lou, which I think holds true to my thought of like this guy's the all star, like the, <laughs> the the newspaper guy from the West Wing, <laughs> Danny K- Danny Kincannon. Yeah, the Danny Kincannon is a multi time all star. <laughs> all right, Daddy, good job. <laughs> I mean, do do we not? Whose vibes does that man have? A quiet, soft-spoken guy who you would be okay dating your widowed mother and with a sweet left-handed <laughs> swing in Minnesota. Who does that sound like? He is Joe Maurer before Joe Maurer. <laughs> <laughs> here, here is one of my things, talking about that specifically. What is up with these 90s children's baseball movies with single moms that, like, it's all, this is a, such a niche between this and Rookie of the Year, and I'm sure other films where it's like, the kid is on the team and his mom is hot and someone on the team has the hots for the mom. Like, it's, it's just, it felt so formulaic that I wanted to see how many films did this. So fun fact about uh, about Billy's mom, by the way. I need I need to pull up her exact name so I don't. Uh... It was some Alyssa Crow, I think. Yeah, because Al- I was Alyssa... trying to see if she was in anything else. Yeah. So her, she has a son named Pete, Pete Crow Armstrong, who is the Cubs' top prospect currently in Double A Tennis. Whoa! What? Yes. That rules. Yes. Yeah. So That's she so she had an actual ball player. Yeah. Whoa. All right, cool. Yeah. Frankly, like her, her into. real Pete life. Crow, I'm sure oh, Pete, Crow, it's a it's a good name. Yeah, uh, and he's a center fielder. Uh, he, her, um, her real life son better than at baseball than Billy because Billy <laughs> Billy is you know some of us go pro in something other than sports. Billy Billy would likely find his way into sports, but not not on the field. Yeah. Um, yeah. Okay, this last piece of IMDb trivia. There was no so unlike Wikipedia, IMDb doesn't source, you know, source anything. Mm-hmm. Whatever. I, I'm just curious, like, who noticed this? Who looked into this? Who decided to to write this in the trivia? Both of the night nurses from Jersey are portrayed by women named Jody. Mm-hmm. Oh my god! <laughs> I I saw that because I was going through the trivia thing on Amazon where I was watching this. And they also, if you click the cast, it does list the cast. And both of the nurses there are Jody. What was fun was that I clicked the cast because I was trying to confirm that it was the guy from Gilmore Girls. Because uh, I was like, is that the... And then I <laughs> confirmed. But then I did see like two people cast as night nurse number one and night nurse number two. And this was only like 20 minutes into the film. And I was like, what the hell is happening <laughs> In this children's movie. And then when that scene actually happened, I was like, what is going on? Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. Just just great, great stuff. Um, let's take let's take a quick let's take the ad break. And then we're going to get back with with three up for three things that worked about this movie. And I'm just going to I'm just going to tell you, folks, there's going to be more than three. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. 
Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. All right, so three up. Three things that worked about this movie. I will, Danny, I'll kick it to you. What, what's like the number, like leading off? What is the reason this movie works? Uh, I, the first thing I've written down is I, I'm just a sucker for cool cameos. And this has some of my favorite 90s sports movies cameo. I, Ken Griffey Jr., Randy Johnson, Pudge Rodriguez, Rafael Palmero for me were big ones growing up a Rangers fan. Uh, just lots of really cool baseball player cameos even guys that they don't feature like you don't get like speaking lines or like big scenes from them they just guys that are in the box taking a swing that you're trying to figure out like who they are and how you recognize yeah. them was like when tim raines fun. showed up it was, it, yeah. he does nothing except hit a yeah. double yeah carlos <laughs> yeah, by for me carlos by <laughs> strikes out like yeah mm-hmm. Paul O'Neill finds his way in there yeah yeah he does he does yeah paul o'neill's in there wally joiner gets a speaking role um, yeah. Mickey, Mickey Tettleton is our first opposing player. Like dickhead gives it, he gives him the welcome to the big leagues kid. Um, yeah. yeah. I mean, and the fact that this movie was like, Hmm, who's the most popular coolest player in major league baseball right now? Let's make that guy our villain. Well, did you see in the trivia it. that it was going to be Ricky Henderson? Mm-hmm. And then yeah. I want to know if that's why they wrote that into the film when they like tried to sign Ricky Henderson and they make him out to be a huge asshole. Like, was that because he <laughs> snubbed them last minute or something? And then also in retrospect, like that worked out. Ken Griffey Jr. is such the better pick. Oh, such a better sure. pick. For like, sure. Ricky would have oh. refused to have gotten got on that hidden ball trick, too. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Rick, Ricky don't get got on a hidden ball trick. Also, I have a feeling Ricky Henderson is just a terrible actor. I just yeah, where Ken Griffey oh, Jr. No way, was surprisingly good. He's great. Yeah, surprisingly good. Yeah, yeah. he's that he's, man's never been bad at anything though, so that makes sense. Yeah. That's a good point. Yeah, he's a he's a big photography dad now. I don't know if you guys follow <gasps> him on Instagram, but he's got the Cute. big camera. Oh, Actually, funny enough, that. him and Randy Johnson both in this movie, both super into photography now. Well, there you Love go. That for I can't Does remember what? who it was, but one of them shot the Super Bowl. One of them was like in the on oh. like on the sidelines, like shooting the Super Bowl. That's got Randy Johnson written all over it. I think. Yeah. Does Randy Pretty Johnson old. do? Bird photography, hundred <laughs> percent, dude. He's, he's like he's always had an, a keen eye for shooting birds at high you know, speed. He's I, got a I, he's got a cabin <laughs> that's filled with bird pictures that he took, and I I guarantee it. You know what? I I think he actually does animals and stuff. Yeah, it's rj fifty one photos dot com. Look, he knows he knows where to find the birds. Yeah, he's got yeah he's got a nice elephant. He's got on precision here. on it. Yeah, yeah. Wow. Uh, concerts, travel, and wildlife. Is what Let's he go. is what he shoots. Randy. What kind of concerts is fifth, Randy Johnson fifth pick, going to? Fifth pick on his gallery Mexican? is a bird. Yeah. <laughs> Nailed it. Yes. Yeah. This is how he gives back to the bird community after in providing them with such a tragedy. Yeah. Damn. <laughs> That's cool, man. Good for them finding finding uh different things to do when they're done. Mm-hmm. Uh Mike, what what worked for you about this one? I got a couple of things, but I think what stood out the most and what truly separates this from Rookie of the Year is that, like, the kid actor was actually good. Like, not 
mm-hmm. as good as some other child actors you'll see. But he was, like, believable to be, like, a kid in the movie. Whereas, like, the guy who plays Henry Rowengarder delivers every line like this. So <laughs> I think just having someone just, like, act like a 12-year-old in this situation felt more believable. So I think that was a really big thing. And I think you kind of touched on it, but they did the correct thing of, like, let's leave the acting to the actors and let's leave the sports to the sportsmen. And, like, the people who are on screen the most are the pitching coach, the general manager, like, guys who are legit actors. Like, oh, the guy from Beverly Hills Cop. Oh, the guy from Veep. Like, they have legitimate actors doing most of the acting, which works out so that you don't have, you know, a bunch of terrible lines. And then you leave the actual athletes for either being on the team or the cameos. Uh, And then also... My final thing was that you could tell this movie was made by baseball fans and they did it in a way that felt very Ted Lasso where it's like they present it where the lines and the delivery are. If you're a baseball fan, you will love the little Easter eggs they're throwing, but it's not so in the weeds that you are confused if you don't know about baseball. So I think it kind of appeases both where it's like, oh, this is a fun thing or someone's like, oh, they made a reference to this thing that I know. That's cool if you are a big old baseball nerd. So they did a good job of just kind of like touching any potential viewer. Yeah, it was, I, I, I know I'm prone to hyperbole on this show, but I think it is some of the best baseball action in movie history. I mean, it is yeah. Every everyone's an athlete. There's no weak link here. Like there is no Wesley Snipes in Major League. Um, yeah. there, there's nothing like that. It, and it gets like all these, like Mike said, all these little baseball things correct. Like it knows Lou could have signed at 17 out of high school. Like when he's doing that, when he's doing the the eulogy for yeah. Grandpa Haywood. Like that thing, that that's stuff that adds up. This is the stuff. It's stuff like that. The trouble with the curve got all wrong. And this thing has like. The, the math problem at the end, like we laugh about that and that's a funny bit. How many, think about how many like locker rooms, dugouts, whatever. Like Mike, even on like your softball team now, like a question like that could mm-hmm. occupy three innings worth oh, because sure. of a debate like that. <laughs> like stuff like that is highly realistic. Yeah, it's, it's really believable. All the baseball stuff was really good. And yeah, I mean, we'll talk about it later, but like some of the actual like literal baseball that they do is like, I don't know how they filmed some of the stuff. It's like Mm -hmm. so perfect that it just felt fake, but I know it's not an era of CGI. So they just did it. And it was, it was very, very impressive. It was, it's awesome. It was good. Danny, what else, what else did you have? What, what makes this one turn? Yeah. You guys were touching on it. Um, the, the baseball looking really good. I think one thing they did in this movie that's so smart is most of the baseball is in slow motion. Um, mm. So it's easier to make it look really good because you don't have to be going as fast as you would need to go in a real major league baseball game. Like you can have the guys throw slower. You can have them make a little bit more intricate movements. If you're when third baseman's diving for a ball down the line, if that's happening in real speed, it's going to be really tough to make it look any good, but you slow it down. You can't tell that they're probably moving way slower. Um, And there are like multiple slow-mo montages, baseball montages set to music in this movie that are very, very good. And I'm a sucker for every, each and every one of them. I have that written down too. just, Baseball, mon- yeah. multiple great baseball montages with excellent music. Mm-hmm. The runaround Sue montage, we'll get into it, is A, yeah. A plus perfection. Mm-hmm. 
literal yeah, perfection. So and I mean, and, and the guys, you're exactly right on the slow-mo, especially when the guys, when it's like the montage of the Twins players getting hits, like that stuff yeah. that means you can lob balls in, they can get good cuts on them. But like, you also got guys who just know the feel. I mean, they had Kevin Elster, who played the shortstop, was an actual mm-hmm. active major league shortstop. Like they they put the effort in there. Which is which is important, and that really comes through. And then the stuff that they did have in full speed, like like McGreevy actually throwing gas, like you can just yeah. tell it's coming yeah. out of there real good. Like mm-hmm. it, it's it's just it's just a delight. And then you get all the like the old stadiums too, like your old Yankee Stadium, Fenway. Yeah. Shout out, I mean, shout out to the Metrodome. Like it just it it understands it it respects its subject matter. It doesn't treat the bait like it's a crazy premise, obviously. But it does not treat baseball like a joke, which I, I right. really appreciate out of this movie. Yeah, and that's what I was getting at. It's it's not just the baseball that they physically do, but the way they talk about it is the perfect way of not trying to oversimplify or overcomplicate. It's like just the right amount. They talk about stuff. They make references. They don't harp on them too long. It just everyone sounds like they know what they're talking about and not just like people who are regurgitating lines like it feels authentic from like the way that they talk about it to like the way that the players talk about it to some of the things that happen in the clubhouse like it's it's really well done and as like someone who grew up playing travel baseball and stuff like I would really know and it would stick out like a sore thumb if they talked about it in a weird way or said something that didn't make sense and there were no things that brushed up against me across the whole film it's my biggest pet peeve in just about every baseball movie is there's always at least one guy who f- clearly has never thrown a baseball before mm-hmm. and like just learned for this movie. And it's so obvious every time this movie didn't have him. And I was so, so yeah. grateful because that always just really bugs the crap out of me. Mm-hmm. And th- they get rid of it with slow-mo because Bus Busfield yeah. rifles one home in slow-mo and it looks like he's actually rifling it. But like for all we know, yeah. that ball went 20 miles an hour. Right. Yeah, I think the only time I noticed the baseball being pretty bad is like Lou's big swing where he like cranks one. I was like, ooh, yeah. not not a real it's, swing, but he shuffles his feet mid swing. Like, I think yeah. it was. Yeah, it was yeah. it was not a good swing, but like I think that's the one time you see that actor do baseball in the whole film. So it's like, yeah, they yeah. were smart with the editing where they just like never showed Danny Kincannon out there playing. <laughs> they were just like, he's a multi-time all star. He's very good. <laughs> we promise. Take our word for it. He's also wonderful though. Like I he will was say great. The, the he lead was a perfect cast. So yeah. good in this. Oh, he so was good. The perfect lovable, like, him and the mom, it's perfect for, like, this movie. They have great chemistry. Like, works way better than the Gary Busey and uh, Mrs. Rowan Gartner, like, yeah. thing in Rookie of the Year. So not not to not to kick Rookie of the Year while it's down, but something that this movie does really good that it just, in compare, especially in comparison, but in general, besides Chet Stedman, besides Gary Busey and Henry Rowan Gartner, how many players on that Cubs team in Rookie of the Year can you name? Uh oh, absolutely none. I don't know a single character. I, no. I uh no. I, I think can't. the janitor from Scrubs is is like the first baseman or something like that. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Um. Yeah. But like this one, this movie does such a good job of sharing the ball and making mm-hmm. us care about this team because we've obviously got Lou is our star, but we have. I mean, think about all the guys that we get time with and get important little plot points with. We get McGreevy where they have to motivate him because McGreevy is, is completely anti anti Billy. He's really our last holdout. Mm-hmm. We get Billy having to release his childhood favorite player in, in Leon. We get dropping the, 
the water balloons with Bowers. We get mm-hmm. them trying to motivate you know Mickey Scales, like keep confidence with Mickey Scales. Lonnie's playing hurt. We know all this stuff about this team. We care about this team. That's one of the the most difficult things for sports movies to accomplish, and that's something we're doing this podcast. I've, that's I like. Not that I, I've turned into more of a savant. I've probably gotten worse at looking at these movies objectively. But one of the things I have noticed is some movies struggle to make you give a shit by the yeah. end of it. You're like, I don't I don't really care about these people. I'm not entirely concerned if they win. This movie does a really good job. We we know these guys. We're bought into them. We're familiar with who they are. It, it's it's the best. It, yeah. it does a really good job of that. You really care about the characters. It was impressive that they did it over such a short film to make you do that because you know like ted lasso will have like a full season to make you care about sam obasanya mm. but like by the yes. end of the movie i was like i would jump in front of a train for bowers i love this guy like he's <laughs> great and i think what was smart is it felt very much like an improv scene where like they do the characters well where it's like here's the guy's deal and they just like get that out of the way really quickly where it's like this guy's nice but he can't hit this guy just wants a big contract and he's kind of a dick like this guy uh is a really grumbly pitcher with big wad of of chewing tobacco like they do they, they do the money they do the money ball meme with all these guys billy this is this is blackout <laughs> gatling <laughs> his only problem is that his curveball doesn't curve yeah it's it's smart because like right away you just you know everybody's deal and then those characters stick to those bits the whole time and then you just like understand their characters and this is like not to get too improv in the weedsy, but like the the key to like good character development in improv is that like an audience who has never met these characters within five minutes feels like they know inside jokes with these characters and they go oh classic Richard and that's what <laughs> happened in this movie like by the end of the movie you're like oh classic Bowers of course he would know the answer to the math problem like it's it's very well executed character development. Yeah, everyone gets a little shine, and that's that's a lot of fun. Yeah, the fact that this movie can make me get emotional when Mickey Scales hits a home run knowing he's been struggling at the plate, and like mm-hmm. Mickey Scales' incredibly minor character does not, literally all we really know about him is that he's struggling at the plate, but he mm-hmm. tries really hard, yeah. and then he hits one out at the end of the movie, and you're just like, that's my dude right there. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. I have one more minor thing that... that- really worked for me that really like doesn't have to it's just more of the time of the movie i loved all the 90s travel like i love that max just reading the paper in the airport i love that (laughs) billy's having to order movies off pay-per-view like i'm just a big big fan man i miss that stuff yeah can we talk about can we talk about gatling's uh leather travel blazer (laughs) when he he got incredible Dude, that's like I understand that like they had to wear because I I it it appears like they're just they're not flying private they're just yeah. flying flying commercial which is interesting but uh yeah that's just not not what I would wear to fly no no well, you're not blackout Gatlin are you yeah you're not blackout Gatlin that's true that's true okay let's get to the strikeout the the most head scratching part about this movie and I think the caveat with a strikeout and three down that anything we say about this is pretty much just out of love with movies like this. We're more just poking Mm -hmm. fun at some things. Yeah. I would also say you can't, you can't pick kid is manager of baseball team. Yeah. That has to, that has to, that is the film. Yeah. 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 For me, I, the, the most that, and this was when I knew the movie was good. When the grandpa dies, I was literally out loud went, what? (laughs) I I was that invested. So short in mainly because that guy was in, perfect health he was 
absolutely perfectly healthy. He was great, and then all of a sudden he's gone. But I think what actually was the most head-scratching thing was that if not not even just the whole like making the kid the owner like fine whatever that's the movie but the fact that he hasn't like talked about this with the mom that is what i found to be the most confusing is that she's like oh what like if you're gonna do this wild thing you have to have a conversation you can't just be like surprise here's the vhs where i give you the team and oh guess what mom like this is a surprise for you too he would have had to have talked to her about it that was the only thing that i found very confusing because I've already accepted the ridiculous thing so then one step below is like how do you not tell her yeah my strikeout is basically the same it's just building on top of that the fact that he got permission by parent trapping the commissioner of major league baseball and his own mother just like if they said it was okay as long as you said it to both of them is wild oh I love that though it's such a (laughs) such a kid move it was very good but the fact that it worked on the commissioner of major league baseball allowing this 11 year old to be the manager of this club that he owns wild I mean realistic like yeah look at, look at our current, look at <laughs> yeah, the current commissioner i don't know yeah. that guy doesn't know anything um yeah. my sh- my strikeout is billy's grandfather owns a professional sports franchise billy goes to public school he yeah. lives in a nice yeah. non but non-gated house like billy yeah. should be way wealthier he should <laughs> have like an iv at the end of his name and he would go to like Saint something prep uh, and be wearing like a be wearing a suit and tie. Like it is much yeah. better for this movie that Billy is kind of like an average Joe. Like he lives in a, in a nice house. He goes to a fun public school with a principal who doesn't doesn't appreciate running in the halls. But it, in real life, like Billy's a, a, a an heir scion to a fortune and goes to a private school and doesn't like go fish on a random bridge with his buddies. Uh, I'm so glad they didn't tell us how the grandfather got wealthy. Cause that would have just like put a weird wrinkle on who this man is. Cause it'd be like, he, he buys up entire neighborhoods and turns them into shopping malls in Minnesota. And it was like, uh, I'm really glad we didn't get specific details on why this man is wealthy enough to own the Minnesota twins. Yeah. yeah. So the, the thing with that is he could have feasibly bought the team at a time where you didn't, it wasn't a prerequisite to be a terrible person and have made your wealth in a terrible way. Cause there are people like the family that owns, I think it's the Browns or the Bengals, that family's sole source of money and like their thing is, is owning a professional sports franchise. Like that's kind of like the Steinbrenners too. Like, yeah, they bought yeah, it cheap enough. Exactly. There, there are people who made some wealth in certain things, but enough to buy sports franchises when they were accessible to wealthy people and not the the top zero 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 one percent. So there are. He is still. I, I was kind of thinking about this too. Like maybe he was just the last good owner because there are still people who could have bought franchises without being a, a fucking unethical, terrible person. Like now that just doesn't exist. Like everyone who owns one just right. bad. But yeah, this might have been like that funeral might have been the funeral for the last good sports owner. Wow, wow, poor one out now. Now, little big league is dark. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah. thanks, Kyle. Did did you guys have what would you guys have for three down? Let's see. I mean, as I said before, the kid being a dick in the middle of the movie, I just it's tough. Like, I get that you need some sort of conflict, there has to be something, but I 
don't enjoy it. And it, and it's hard. Like, I think this is the same problem that Space Jam 2 had, which is, like, LeBron is, like, a bad father in most of the movie. <laughs> and he's also the main character. And it just sucks. Like, you can have a curmudgeon, you know, character be, like, not the main protagonist. But when the main protagonist just sucks, it, like, kind of makes everything a bummer. So I would have maybe preferred if, like the conflict was like someone is protesting the will or like someone has found a clause like some there could have been something else where the kid doesn't have to become a jerk for like 30 minutes that i would have enjoyed more but i think that was what rubbed me the the most the wrong way because all the other parts are so fun and so ear to ear smiley that when this came on i was like i don't want this to be the the thing we have to overcome i haven't actually seen space jam 2 what is what is lebron doing is he putting like expectations on his son that he wants to play with him in the NBA, even though that might not be a sun ceiling. And it, it seems like it puts a lot of pressure on him. Is, is that, is I that mean, what he's doing? I mean, I yeah, mean. it's his kid is like super into coding. And then LeBron's like, Oh, you got to get outside and touch grass. You know, and go to, you have to go to basketball camp. I don't right. care if you like video games. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's just, it's quite unenjoyable. It's a really it's bad spaceship. Two is really bad. It's, it's like, it sucks. A, it's so bad. Not even enjoyable bad. It's just a, a yeah. absolute trudge of a film. Yeah. yeah. I, I want to push slightly back on the Billy being, and just my, my take on it. Cause I was thinking about that too. Like, cause it, it does, it is like a bummer and especially like watching him be a dick to people and things, especially like watching him be a dick to hurt Lonnie. Like that's not fun. But I was mm-hmm. like, man, like my job stresses me out sometimes. Like yeah. I, you know, I, I get a little like out of sorts Man, if I was 11 years old and and had the pressure of coaching the of managing mm-hmm. the Minnesota Twins, like what would that do to an 11 year old, like a fifth grader? Like that right. stress would eat them alive. Yeah. So yeah. it mm-hmm. it like it's understandable, just not as fun to watch as the other stuff in the movie. That's that's how I felt. It's like it's believable, and I guess it does the cool thing of like, you know we have the really curmudgeonly manager in the beginning. So maybe it's like a, this could happen to anyone type of thing if you lose perspective. So like it did make sense, but ch- purely from like a movie enjoyment standpoint. It was what I enjoyed yep. the least. Definitely the least fun part of the movie. Yeah. My three down are all, it's just random nitpicks, like dumb, not actual problems. I'm just looking for things to write down as bad things here. You know what I mean? Because I don't have any actual problems with this movie. Um, the first thing I wrote down, like the very first note I took, is the during his Little League game, the ump asking him what the actual rule was. Like, that's yeah, cool. Dude. Establishing Billy has a lot of baseball knowledge, but like, uh, well, this exact random ass play happened to the Brooklyn Dodgers in 1920. I don't care how much baseball you know, you don't know that that random ass play happened in 1926 to the Brooklyn. That was just like, man, you can tell us he knows a lot about baseball without like making him a genuine literal encyclopedia. That was wild. I was yeah. going to say, Michael, appreciate this. That was some encyclopedia brown shit. Yeah, yeah, hyper-specific, hyper-hyper-specific. But I, I agree, you don't have to do that. Like, him simply knowing that rule is yes. is enough. And also, impressive as, enough. as a former umpire, I was furious that the umpire did not know <laughs> that rule. Like, what are you doing? Uh, my Little League, I had to go through, like, a multiple-week course. There were multiple tests, and, like, it was super intense for my umpire training. So to see some schmo not know, like, one of the more simple rules, I was like, get this guy out of the league that's honestly hilarious because i i umpired and all it took was me getting a text saying like hey are you free 
tonight and, and have you umpired or like have are you free tonight and do you have a blue polo was how i got yeah. into umpire my, one summer so my, i mean i was i was like northeast like my little league like was one of the teams that would like get into the little league world series stuff so like they took it oh. quite quite seriously what were you, were you talking about how one of the coaches is the dude from curb yeah jeff garland <laughs> yeah <laughs> Just I'm t- the cast in this movie is nuts. It's, it's loaded. It's funny. Wild. I sent you, I sent you guys the run sheet for Angels in the mm-hmm. Outfield initially, and in that I wanted to talk about how stacked the cast is because like that movie has a freakishly stacked cast. So does this movie. Wildly stacked. I this this feels like this this casting is the mid two thousands Pistons where it's like no one is a true star, but everyone is amazing, and it, the movie is a whole cast of that guys and. Yeah. It's it's really good, but there's still no like, oh, Gary Busey's in this movie or oh, Danny Glover's in this movie. Like there's no like big, huge name, but it's like, yeah, Bowers is the guy from Weekend at Bernie's. Like there's so many there's so many like solid actors in it. It's really good. I was blown away. Yeah, I have one more thing for three down. Um, So Billy's anger about Lou dating his mom. I feel oh, like that, yeah, that's dude. So yes. like, that just got uncomfortable. And like, I feel like they, you know, there's definitely a place for that. Like that's a natural thing, kid, you know, that we've seen that plot in movies a million times. Like, Hey, new dad, I don't like you, mm-hmm. but like someone also needed to talk to Billy. Like Mac needed to be like, Hey man, mm-hmm. I understand that something's going on, but this is part like that honestly would have been a good scene. Hey, this is yeah. part of being a professional and that you have to put what's going on in your personal life aside mm-hmm. for the good of the team. Cause like, uh, Kevin Dunn, the general manager, they makes the thing that, you know, why, Hey, yeah. Why isn't Lou playing? Like if, if it's a question like that, like again, if, if Joe Maurer had, had gotten sat randomly, it would, it would be, it would be every single reporter in every postgame conference would be lighting Billy's ass up about that. Yeah. The other thing, that was the time that felt the least baseball correct because it just, like, wouldn't happen. It's not like basketball where you're just, like, putting in the second string shooting guard or something. Like, if you're making a substitution in baseball, like, that's going to be tough. You don't have a backup for every position. Yeah. And... The thing that I didn't like about this, and I kind of lumped this in with the whole, like, Billy being a dick thing, but what I what made no sense about it, because you're right, Kyle, it is a normal thing, you know, new stepdad thing for him to be upset, but he likes Lou, and he liked Lou the whole movie up until this point, and then his mom, like, missed spaghetti dinner or whatever the hell, and then that was, like... Oh no, now I hate Lou. And that's what I found the least believable. It's like Lou's a good guy. He's not a jerk. You like him as a person. You like him as a baseball player. Like you really like this dude. And now because your mom like didn't do this thing with you because she's going on a date with someone like clearly she's got to be the one to be like coach into this the grandpa's like i know you love my son but like you gotta get out there like she's that kind of mom like hasn't been on a date in 14 years or whatever she says like dude that's that's what i found the most upsetting about it so yeah i'm glad you brought that up kyle he's literally like best case scenario stepdad on that team yes, like imagine you yes. come downstairs and your mom is snuggled up with mcgreevy and it's right. just like chest hair everywhere <laughs> like yes. it's a fucking nightmare 100 percent. he's the perfect stepdad like even if you're just that that's also what's unbelievable about it like if you're 12 and you know joe mauer is dating your mom you'd be like hell yeah dude joe mauer is gonna be my stepdad like yeah, my, my parents were married and i wouldn't have even cared <laughs> <laughs> like, even, even if the guy was a dick like if if lou was a complete jerk you'd be like cool lose my stepdad <laughs> like there's no way there's no way yeah um okay let's get into best scene 
Uh, I tried to be very objective. I I will say off like off the top, I, I've started doing this instead of running all through all of them. Is there a clear best scene before we run through them? Is there like does this one have one that just hang like this this scene hangs the moon? Mike, do you is there something like that? The fishing scene. It's the fishing scene. <laughs> Those kids wow. are great. I love the kids. We they have the funniest lines. Them. They have the funniest Incredible. lines in the whole film. Incredible. They have yeah. the best quotes. That fishing scene was so funny. So should've funny. Should have started Wedman. I, mean, a, I uh, should have started Wedman. What is fishing? What are oh uh, we haven't caught? Funny. It's I I was in tears. It's the best part of the movie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, I don't have. I didn't have I like a standout. This is definitely the best scene for me. So I just went for coolest moment, um, and it's Ken Griffey Jr. slowly walking up to the plate with that baseline happening mm, is yeah. one of the coolest things I think I've ever seen in my entire life. And so yeah. that's what got my vote. I've got I've got some Griffey stuff for another category. I'll, I'll run through a couple of the nominees. Um, mm-hmm. I do like when Billy gets the manager job after he fires Dennis Farina, where they were like, Dennis, just play that angry cop character that you've played in every other movie. Just put on a baseball <laughs> uniform. Do the do the same yeah. shit. You're good. Uh, but I do like when Mac does the little test of Billy. No. Sacrifice him to second. They walk Lonnie and bring in Steve Farr to pitch to Spencer. So you've taken the bat out of our two best hitters, our three and four men, and we've got Spencer, a righty with no speed, Against far in his palm ball, which means double play. Yes, that's you know, that's probably the actual correct answer. Yeah, that that one's that one's fun. When it, yeah, I I'm I'm a big fan of that one. Uh, both montages. If I had to pick one, like it might honestly be the runaround Sue scene. Yeah, that's yeah, that's a really good one too. Really, I think really, that really I think that is what I have I have watched the most on uh, on YouTube. Um, the water balloon scene, the very bombs fun. I have, very I have fun. written down is one of my good, one of my really good scenes. Water balloons is incredible. Mm-hmm. Very good Mickey scales content, which, which <laughs> I love. Um, we already talked about it. Just the, everyone going over the, the math, the math problem. You wonder what goes through the minds of the players and the coaches in pressure situations like these. If Joe can paint a house in three hours, and Sam can paint the same house in five hours. How long does it take for them to do it together? Wait a minute. You never said this was a word problem. Scales, get over here. What's up, man? If I can paint a house in three hours, and you can paint it in five, how long will it take us to paint it together? Lonnie! Takes me three hours to paint a house, it takes you five. How long to do it together? What color paint? Also a really good scene. Really good. Uh, And then just the whole last game looks good. Like, watching Ken Griffey Jr. catch that ball, like, watching that man run before before years of playing in the kingdom ravaged (laughs) ravaged his body... I mean, what a sight! What a yeah. What a film. We'll get into that for for athletic feet, but uh, yeah. I, I have some words yep. about that that particular catch. Yeah, I I think I'm um 
I think I'm going with the runaround suit montage. I think it's that's good. my I think it's really best good. scene. It's really good. I think I would probably pick the the scene where Mac gives him the test because that was like exactly what I'm talking about with the like it's baseball nerdy enough, but it doesn't get into what Danny brought up, the shitty like in nineteen twenty seven. Like the <laughs> yeah. stuff that like would feel like the character who the writers pretends to know about baseball because they Googled something. But yeah. it was the perfect like if you know baseball, you know like everything they said is correct and they nailed mm-hmm. it. But if you don't know baseball, you still walk away from the scene of that was very impressive baseball knowledge, and I understand the point of this scene. Like that scene was great, and just Mac, I love that guy. I want to find more movies with that actor because he's so good in That's Beverly Hills Cop, and he's great in this movie. It's just like you think he's a curmudgeon, but he's actually a huge teddy bear. He's amazing. He, he was perfect. Like the cigar play of just like you know mm-hmm. puts it in an astonishment, takes it out when he thinks he's got him, puts it back in when he's got it right. Ah, oh, it's really good prop work. <laughs> yeah, it's good. It's good. Danny, announcing, what are you going announcing Mac was taking over at the end was very good. Yeah, for me. that yeah. was a very good. Good Mac payoff. Moment. Yeah. Um, I had just a few things that had like staying power for me that I remember very specifically from this movie. Blackout rolling his chew and oh my god, disgusting. disgusting. I've tried. I tried chew once in my entire life. Uh, obviously, nothing that was like the size of a freaking tennis ball like he had, and the, it was awful. It was a terrible experience. Didn't try it a second time, but the whole time I was like, I gotta get some gum. I have to try this. I have to know what it's like. So the the thing is, so when I was in college, chew chew was my thing. I didn't dip. I chewed. Mm-hmm. Like I was a big big red man guy. And mm-hmm. doing it with like bubble gum, like Blackout was doing, I was like, I don't, I don't really get. It. The thing is, uh, like big red like like cinnamon gum or something like that like that's where you get a little different of a like i've done i i have done that before in a, in a way but with like cinnamon gum like using bubble gum i don't just like you know like big league chew or something i don't i don't really see the yeah. appeal but it was an iconic moment and yeah. that was yeah. one thing where like my son i don't even think he understood what it was but was just like knew enough to be like that is gross yeah, <laughs> that was me when I was a kid watching The Sandlot. I was like, I don't know what they're eating, but like I didn't realize <laughs> it was na- like tobacco But now they have spaghettios on their shirt. Yeah, I was gross. like, yeah. whatever they've done is bad. <laughs> yeah, I, I again, I can also tell you that uh, nine-year-olds still find the the scene of them throwing up at the carnival very, very oh, funny. Quality film, quality yeah. film. Also, Smalls went to my K through eight school. Really? Like That's not cool. n- not while you were in K through think- eight. Not while I was yeah, there, I but I'm he's yeah, no, no, no. Yeah, I was about to say he's like he's a older, straight up adult. But I'm like, pretty yeah, sure he like went to my K through eight school. Either that or that? my fifth grade teacher lied to me. <laughs> what, did we be, watch that film either. one time at school? <laughs> could be either. Um, okay, uh, best quote. This this movie has some banger ass quotes. There's some let's, really let, good ones. Let's let's go let's go around a loop then. Danny, you start. Uh, mm-hmm. If you're rich, you don't have to be smart. That's the beauty of this country. Yeah, very, actually, yeah, from, yeah, from one very, of the friends. Very, very poignant. Uh, the friends just have incredible, incredible yeah, quotes. Yeah, so uh, good. Mike? I, I will say the line that immediately precedes that line, which is, homework, you own the twins. Like, <laughs> yeah, those two lines really back-to-back good. was going to be my choice for this. So, yeah, like, those two, I was writing down for the quotes, like, when I watched it, I was like, oh, homework, you own the twins is going to be the quote of the movie. And then it to, for it to be immediately followed by, if you're rich, you don't have to be smart, that's the beauty of this country. I was like, in the 90s? They had this? Wow. Ahead of I have, time. I have another one that's that's the friends that made me legitimately, I forgot about it, made me legitimately. Oh, Laugh you. out loud! If Mr. Howell was that rich, what was he doing taking a cruise on the SS Minnow? 
Really good. I thought you were going to say another one that the friends say. They have the best lines. It's the American League. They have the designated hitter. How hard can it be? Yeah. For how easy it is to manage the twins. I had that too. That's so good. Um, oh. I have uh, Billy, Billy, when he calls his friend watching Night Nurses from Jersey, just the way he says it, they're off the turnpike and on duty for love. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I also, what else do I have? Oh, I mean, not an actual funny quote, but I laughed because it was like a poor, a poorly written or delivered or whatever. But uh, if you're watching this tape, it means I'm dead. I'm sorry. <laughs> like, <laughs> what a wild, wild way to start. But an actual, an actual one that Billy says, I lost, <laughs> I lost total confidence in my long division. It's great. It's a really good line. Uh, there's this, this movies are funny. Bowers at one point saying, I just wanted to let you know I had nothing to do with this. <laughs> oh, it's good. Uh, I should know this. My uncle's a painter is very, very yeah. good. One of my favorite. <laughs> the exchange between, uh, Lonnie and Lou when Lonnie's like, man, kids these days are incredible. When I was down in winter ball, all in Venezuela, That's the best quote, all the kids spoke Spanish and Lou just like deadpan. They speak Spanish in Venezuela. <laughs> I don't know. Spanish I know. is a hard language. Yeah. yeah, the best that, part of that—that's my pick for best quote. Yeah, Lottie mispronouncing Venezuela and calling it Venezuela makes it even better. <laughs> Venezuela. <laughs> Venezuela. Um, Venezuela. Oh, I do want to say because we didn't say in Don't Works something that completely tanked a really good scene. There's a scene where they're like the kids are talking about Batman and stuff because they're like, can we talk about anything except for for baseball? And they're like, does Batman ever get like drive-through food? And then Billy uh, calls them the R word, and that tanked an mm. amazing scene. A wonderful scene, and I was like, I guess it's the '90s, and like we didn't realize it, but that was like, I think the only part of the film that I was like, this didn't age well. Yeah, and yep. and the only other part like that that didn't age well is I can't remember what I can't remember the friend who is replacement Billy, which like that, oh, that concept yeah, yeah, in yeah. general was funny. Lol, lol, but but when yeah. he's like, I'm sitting on lol, <laughs> like which again is funny, but like that's. That's bullying. That's mean. But like, it's it was. I love that they had like replacement Billy. Basically, like this is Lowell. We hang out with him when Billy's not available. But then Lowell got like redeemed at the end, right? Didn't he like say something funny or smart? And they were and they they had some sort of line like, yeah, when we let him speak, yeah, yeah. yeah. So like, he did have his his heyday in the end. Yeah. Um, okay. Most athletic moment. Challenging category for this movie. Oh, kind of. Yeah. There's. There might be a clear winner, but there's a lot of a lot of athleticism happens, mm-hmm. but also one of the greatest athletes of our of our lifetime does stuff in this movie, which is good. Yeah, yeah, I think it's grippy. So it's my question, the home run. yeah, my question for this is: Is it like the thing that like if you take the the film to be true? What is the most athletic thing? Because if that case, it's definitely Griffey robbing the home run because he does run for that ball for about 12 hours. <laughs> so I'm pretty sure he was playing like shortstop <laughs> and like, makes that catch. There is so dude. much footage of him running to the field. I wanted to, to comment on this. So one of the worst things that Trouble with the Curve does, and of which there are many, is there is one – there is a scene – where the kid, they throw the ball and the lead character hits a ball that anyone who has watched one baseball game knows off the bat that is a shallow pop-up to right to like second base. Mm-hmm. And that ball goes out of left field by like 500 feet. The <laughs> ball that Lou hits, the trajectory is 
perfect that yeah, it is going yeah. to left center field where where Griffey gets it. It is the smallest detail. Yeah. 90% of the crowd, 99% of the people who watch it would not have gotten it, but like he hits it and it's like, "Oh yeah, that ball is going to left field like just just over the fence." And Griffey goes and gets it. I I loved like I fucking nutted myself watching that. I was like, "That is perfect." <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's good. He, just, he he how how big is left? What's what's the left field fence in the Metrodome though? Cuz Griffey does run very far for this ball. I mean, maybe they were playing Lou Lou Deadpool. They had Deadpool a weird shift, yeah. It, it's about the same spot where Kirby Puckett made the catch in game 6 of the 91 World Series over Plexiglass, which is a very Billy Haywood thing of me to say. But um <laughs> kind of kind of in that in that same spot. But like Griffey the home run too, like just getting to see that swing is nice. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um you know, I will say like uh, the McGreevy throwing fastballs because they basically it it the him and Blackout Gatling who both pit like they're basically like, hey man, just just throw like and they, Dude, they got Bowers that on film. too. Bowers could throw. Yeah, like, and, and, yeah, ba- yeah, and was Bowers wasn't a hurling wasn't it. a baseball player. Yeah, they got guys who could play like that stuff was great. Yeah, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yeah. I'm, I want to see if there's another time where we should talk about it or if this is. It, I'm, uh, hmm. I, I'll bring it up, and if I have to say it again, I'll say it again. But, like, I legitimately replayed this seven times. In the last game, there is a shot where someone hits it into left field, and then it's just a steady cam of, like, the ball going into left, someone going from first to third, sliding into third, and it's, like, it's so perfectly timed, I was astonished that it wasn't CGI. Like, someone legitimately hits, like, a screamer into left, and then the left fielder just, like, gets it, and then does, like, a spin turn throw, and the ball gets in, like, half a second too late for a full extension head for slide of whoever's going into third base. And it was, like, it was so good, I, I just don't know. Like, you couldn't have scripted it better than it turned out like everything was so perfectly timed i was astonished i am not kidding when i say i rewinded it seven times yeah and most baseball movies don't have casual plays like that Mm -hmm. yeah they they don't have their everything has to feature one of the main actors it's a very close-up shot something like that that is just a casual good baseball play that they caught on film and it's and it was a steady cam from home yeah. plate the whole time they didn't cut once it was wild wild yeah. oh it was yeah. so good yeah how many Great. baseball movies are gonna have dave maganin getting caught at second trying to leg out a single into a double like just yeah. this one dude. <laughs> just one just one i also i would like to uh they did one they basically let randy johnson turn one loose that one that's like high and tight like yeah. that just looks great, man. Watching Randy Johnson turn one loose is. Can you imagine being Timothy Busfield? This is the scariest thing I can imagine. <laughs> that had to Randy Johnson. That had to have been an extra. Had to have been, yeah. Had to no have been way. Randy Johnson no humming way. a two seamer near your dome. Are you kidding me? This is the scariest thing in the world. <laughs> what do you think the insurance cost is on like if you're Ooh. like insuring Timothy Busfield and you're like, all right, we're gonna have him stand in the box against Randy Johnson, <laughs> and Randy is intentionally gonna throw one high and tight. I mean, it's, I don't know, but, like, they do it in movies now. Like, in Creed, they tried to, like, not actually have Michael B. Jordan get punched by that guy who's a legit boxer. And then Kugler was like, dude, you're just going to have to take a punch, man. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, he, he and he knocked his ass out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Speaking well. of Buzzfield, though, that if they did have a uh, a stunt double there, can you imagine an easier actor to find a stunt double for than Timothy Buzzfield? He's the most average <laughs> built man in America. Which, by the way, Timothy Buzzfield, I looked it up. I, I, I should have had this in my three down. He is 5'10". Could you put him at any position other than first base, please? But first base <laughs> is the one position on a baseball field that 5'10 Timothy Busfield should probably not be playing. 
Yeah, yeah. that's a that's a fair point. They could have had him as the catcher. They could have literally made him yeah. Bauer. It'd been great. Mm-hmm. It would have been awesome. He would, he's built like a catcher in the nineties. And then yeah. you can always just have someone wearing a mask, so he never actually has to play baseball. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, that's what Easy. they did in, in Miracle. The only actor on that team is the guy who was is the guy who plays Jim Craig, who is yeah. uh, like in Friends and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, difficult, difficult category. The Lenny Harris Pinch Hitter Award for Best Supporting <sighs> Character. It's tough. It's tough. This this is okay. I'm gonna run through all the nominees because there's a lot, and I try to be selective. And there's still a lot. Uh, F- Dennis Farina's George O'Farrell. It's like two scenes, and it's great. Like he's <laughs> he's on fire. Um, Jason Robards is Grandpa Haywood. Like, and mm. this is coming off uh, being in Philadelphia, which he is where he is horrible. He's a horrible human in that movie, and it's just very interesting seeing that that contrast he's also fantastic in all the president's men and weirdly looks the same age even though those movies are like 20 years apart um both billy's friend chuck and joey just them together <sighs> they're so, that's they're yeah kind so of good. lol too yeah <laughs> just that lol's kind of great uh mac john ashton is mm-hmm. mac um you know shit uh so I didn't ask this. Who's in it too much? Obviously, Billy's in it too much. I would say Lou is in it too much. Busfield's in it too yeah. much. Um, yeah, his mom probably is in it too much. Yeah, Ashley Crow is Jenny Haywood probably in it too much. Um, mm-hmm. Kevin Dunn, sp- sports movie supporting supporting guy legend as the mm. general manager because uh, he's in he's in Warrior. Um, he's in he's just he's in a lot of stuff. Uh, man, there's just a lot of like. Just looking at the cat, like Jerry. We haven't talked about Dwayne Davis as Jerry, but man, Jerry just eating Billy's lunch when he releases him is tough. That's a tough yeah. watch. Um, Bowers is great. Bowers, Bowers is great. Out here. Bowers yeah, is yeah. great. Uh, Brad think, Leslie is Blackout Gatling. That's that's tough. I think that's my good. pick is Bowers. I I give him the slight edge over the kids, the friends, because mm-hmm. not only does Bowers give good comedic relief. But he like legit is firing those pitches in there, and I don't know if they're strikes, but he's freaking hurling it. And I think he just brings a, a breath of fresh air to the movie because like most of the players on the team, aside from Lou, are kind of like cold to Billy, and just Bowers like off the jump is just like a goofball and very unique and funny and smart and very different. And every time he was on screen, I was happy. I I think that's got to be the the pinch hitter for me. Yeah. This is a great pick. Can I can I give a quick shout out? The, this guy he doesn't deserve this award even a little bit at all, but he's someone that makes me laugh every single time I watch this movie, and it's the guy on the team who just says "bite me." <laughs> yeah, it's all, it's all he says over and over. He recommends someone me. to say yeah, "bite me" uh, to McGreevy. McGreevy yeah, yeah, leans yeah. in, and is like, "Come on, give me something." bite me it's That's so good, good. It's good i i also want to shout out uh michael papa john who plays the the outfielder so i don't know tucker if you guys Kane, right? tucker Kane, yeah. yeah so uh that actor he actually played at lsu so he does a lot of sports movies he is in this he is uh the three-hole hitter in for love of the game for the yankees mm-hmm. he's sam tuttle he is mm-hmm. on the the guards team in the longest yard he's Whoa. a safety and they don't even change his name. They just call him Papa John. I think. Yeah. 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 And he shot uncle Ben in the, in the first Spider-Man. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. he with the bleach blonde. Hit. Yeah. yeah. Oh, he shot yeah, yeah, yeah. He shot uncle Ben. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Wow. 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 How about that? Never put that together. How about that? So obvious. He has such a, like such a distinct face. It's so obvious, but I never would have put it together. Yeah. 
I, for this category, am going to go with Chuck and Joey. I'm going to give yes. them some shine. I think they're, yes. I think they're wonderful. They're, I mean, legitimately funny kids. That is tough. Yeah. That is really tough to do. Obviously, they don't have as many lines and stuff, but like they are better actors than the guy who was Billy. Like they are just like legitimately <laughs> very yeah. good actors, and they absolutely nailed their roles. They were so funny, so funny. Yeah, I'm going with Mac. Uh, I love a like steady, supportive mentor figure who like mm-hmm. probably there should have been a part of him that's like, what the hell? Why am I not the coach of this? Yeah, you know what I mean. Like mm-hmm. I've been. Part of this or whatever, like uh, there should have been like probably a little of that, but I'm so glad there wasn't because he's just fully supportive, fully steady there the whole time. Mentor type figure to help 11 year old Billy Haywood like figure out how to coach a big league team. Mm -hmm. Mac is great. I think that's what makes the film is that you've got the general manager and the pitching coach just yes ending right away, which helps you as the viewer just you know digest the present the premise of the film because it's just like okay these two guys are on board i'm on board too and i think it makes the film better that they're just like yeah he's the owner yeah he's the manager cool roll with it yeah yeah big time okay the peter gallagher award for the hottest person in this movie this objectively isn't a very hot movie no right angels in the outfield was going to be a more fun discussion for that yeah yeah. uh but um you know, because, like, listen, Danny already said, like, Busfield's a very ordinary-looking dude. So, like, our superstar mm-hmm. isn't, you know. Um, man, these, this is when I really need Caroline here. Uh, yeah. I, I will I, say, like, I, I, Ashley Crow, like, Pete's mom. That's what I was going to say. lovely-looking woman. Like I, I don't want to, I don't want to just be like it's the one girl in the movie. <laughs> the, so, but like, only, yeah. literally the only woman in the movie. Besides, right. I mean, you could say that maybe it's the night nurses from Jersey. But, uh, sure. Yeah. That. I mean. Yeah. That. I you should, know, knowing you that that's should, an option, you could, I, but... I feel less like a sleazeball. <laughs> but no, I like her hair is very cool and unique and interesting, and the outfit that she wears to the theme park, like very nineties, but also like great, like the the bodysuit. Yeah, dude. I, yeah. I I I would probably pick her, and I promise it's not just because she's a girl. <laughs> yeah. I th- I think the winner is Hodges, the catcher. Ooh. That oh. dude. That dude looks great. There's like. It, like he every time he's in the locker room he has his shirt off and he that's a good looking dude he's jacked as hell and he's yeah. super tan which mm-hmm. i think everybody was in the 90s but lonnie's McGreevy, a good looking dude too mcgreevy yeah yep. lonnie is and then mcgreevy mm-hmm. has the flow like mcgreevy's big like long kind of like michael bolton ish hair along yeah. with yeah. the chest hair like that that had a moment in the 90s yeah. that was a I big think thing if, if it would I feel bad because it's out of his control, but you the style of his hair does show off his receding hairline a bit. Yeah. Like, it's thinning in the middle. and Pretty bad. If it's, like, if you have that, because the chest hair, for sure. Like, yeah. if you just, mm-hmm. if he's cast in this and it, they film it two years earlier, like, then he's absolutely unanimous choice, no question. But, like, every time you see the hair, it's like, ah, it's a little thin in the middle. Like, it, it just feels like he needed to talk to a hairstylist to do something else. But, yeah, the chest hair, yeah. especially in this era, oh, yeah, dude. Yeah. I also think he's better looking in Go More Girls. So that makes yeah. it a little hard Agreed. for me to give him the He's, award he's wearing one. a hat the whole time, isn't he? That's, that's, that's why he's better thing. looking at Gilmore Girls. He's always yeah. got that backwards. And and the stubble going in it, like he's he gets to be yeah. more like like grizzled guy as opposed to like hot asshole. And yeah. I think that yeah. works better for this guy. Though he yeah. did like from an acting perspective, like wonderfully hateable. Wonderfully hateable. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Uh best time, worst time. Which character had the best time throughout the movie, which had the worst time? 
a lot of best time. I feel like mm-hmm. a lot of people are having fun in this one. Yeah. Yeah. I think Bowers had the best time. Like, he at no point was angry at Billy. Like, at zero moments was he like, oh, grumble, grumble. This kid's the owner. Like, he was having a good time when they were bad, and then they start winning. Like, win-win all around, baby. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's it's the obvious, uh, less interesting. It's Billy. He's an 11-year-old, and he's the owner and manager of the Minnesota Twins. It's never exciting or interesting to pick the main character, but no one's ever had a better time in a movie <laughs> than an 11-year-old being given his favorite baseball team. Gets a uh, gets a standing O at the end of the season. Yeah. Like, yeah, he's having he's having a wonderful time. Yeah, big time. Uh, did anyone have a bad time? O'Farrell. I, O'Farrell had a bad time. Yeah, yeah. I think he, he gets, probably had the worst he, time. he gets fired and then shown up by a preteen. It's yeah. Not that, that's that. You're right. I didn't even think about that. But yeah, like you get fired and then they go on a yeah. run. That yeah. he does way better than you did with the exact same team. That's yeah. not a good look. That's mm-hmm. tough. Ricky Henderson's having a weird time. Because like we did actually discuss <laughs> why was he declared a free agent in May? What has okay, happened? That... What has gone wrong? Yep. Yes. That's okay. Weird. I was confused. I was like, did I forget? Did something weird happen to Ricky Henderson in 1993? But like that was the one of the very few baseball times where I was like, this does not make baseball sense. You don't just like they're it's the middle of the season and they're talking about like free agents that they can't get. It's like this what like I get that they need it for like plot purposes, but it, I I was trying to run the numbers of like was he going to be like suspended for steroids or something? Yeah. Like what what was happening here? The interesting thing is the it's the verbiage. It's it's not like, hey, Ricky Henderson's a free agent. We should see you know, he wants to come here. Yeah. We should sign him. He says the commissioner declared Ricky Henderson a free agent, which yeah. would have been preceded by some event has happened. Like, it, right. was his contract declared invalid? Did he have That's... some weird? Did Ricky Henderson work out some weird opt out clause where if like he steals two bases on May seventeenth, <laughs> it automatically triggers an opt out? Yeah. That's or an incredibly Ricky Henderson thing <laughs> yeah. to do. So that, that is that not would... totally implausible. I think, yeah, I think, and that seems like maybe what they were trying to imply, especially because they're trying to make him like, he's a diva, he's a diva. They should have just added, even if it's bullshit, they should have done something where it's like, because I don't know if he was on the Yankees or the A's at the time, but it's like, they should have done something where they give some sort of thing of like, Ricky Henderson was protesting his contract with the A's and the the commissioner said he's now a free, like, there should have been one extra sentence, because yeah, I was confused. Yeah. The only other choice I think for potentially having a bad time is how shot does your confidence as a baseball player have to be for you to be going up to the plate in an incredibly clutch, the most clutch moment of your career, and for you to look at your coach and go, "Do you want me to hit?" That just, oh, like, that how, just shows how sweet he is, though. Yeah. How shaken at your core is your confidence as a baseball player? I don't. Never in the history of baseball has a player looked at their manager and said, D- "Are you sure you want me to hit, coach?" Me? It'd sad. Me? Not him? Me? Me? <laughs> it's oh. so sad. Yeah. Yeah. It's tough. Yeah. Man, what a what a sweet guy. Um, okay, we, we talked about this category before we started recording. The Keith Morrison Dateline episode from this movie. Again, another tough, tough category when Caroline is not here. However, I gave this some thought. And okay. this isn't something that happened in this movie, but this is something that you could... I saw the kindling of a Dateline episode. You know, Billy was a kid, had a great relationship with his mom, got even closer since his dad died. And then she started dating Minnesota twin star Luke Collins. And Billy got jealous. And then something would have had to have happened, but I thought that was the that would have been the only originator. Or like 
George O'Farrell like coming back in, in a vengeance and like burning down the Metrodome or something like that. Like George didn't take because I mean he took he took as much stuff in that in that box. He took the the roll of toilet paper, which yep. I appreciated. Mm-hmm. He took everything took that wasn't na- yeah took everything that wasn't nailed down. But um, you know this wasn't a very Dateliney movie. The yeah. only other thought I had is how like Lowell is treated so incredibly poorly by his two only friends in the entire world. What kind of guy is Lowell growing up to be? You know, that's a yeah. good point too. That's, For me, it was just uh, the grandpa's sudden death. He was in perfect health and then he died. So like my only thought was like, did the grandpa True. get murdered? Like, and, how, come on. <laughs> and that's, so that's where Keith Morrison would have been. And who stood to benefit from grandpa? <laughs> <Hague> was a <laughs> timely mm-hmm. pass. Pretty good. Mm-hmm. Billy. 11-year-old Billy got everything he'd ever wanted. Um, okay, roster moves. Which character should be Airbud? Could be Airbud. A lot of choices here. A lot of choices. I mean, I... making it Billy is the funniest choice. It's <laughs> pretty good. I'm surprised I they thought... haven't made an Airbud movie where it's like Airbud golden coach or something like that and he's just Look, making lines. There's no the rule book that says. <laughs> I'd watch it. Are you kidding me? Uh, I think the security guard. I'm going with the security oh, guard. I think that would be also played a by a great blast. actor. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, he's great. But just running, Airbud sprinting down the steps of the Metrodome to stop these kids that are playing on the infield, mm. and then the the hidden ball pickoff play. Watching Airbud really sell that, like he's going to play fetch in the corner. Are you kidding me? Can we talk about the hidden blast. ball play for a second? Did anyone notice that there is a not well edited out baseball in the shot really if you watch it it, if you watch it and i i rewinded it a bunch when they are running over to like find the fake ball on the right bottom right of the screen you see like what looks like a baseball going in that direction and then gets edited out i don't know if they threw a baseball in filming so that everyone would run to the same spot but there's definitely like a ball that gets into this or, frame for like a couple of set, like a fractions of a second, and then is like edited out. It was really weird. Or the security guard had a ball in his pocket to really sell. It. Uh, yeah, I don't in know. Case Griffey, in but case like, Griffey looked. Go that back way. and watch it. I shit you not, it's there. It was very strange. My my only thought would be that like for filming, they did it so that everyone would go yeah. to the same spot. Yeah, that that would that would, that would make sense. Um, mm-hmm. I think the best Airbud would actually be O'Farrell because having Airbud mm. barking, barking at Blackout with the subtitles, the damn thing don't curve. I think yeah. that would be delightful. <laughs> you wish you had a hook like that. Hey, Blackout, Blackout, come here. Hey, what's up, Skip? Let me explain something to you. I didn't trade for you for your curveball. I don't like your curveball. Mm. As a matter of fact, I hate your curveball. You want to know why? Because the damn thing don't curve. Yeah. I, I've started funny. to realize that I like Airbud. I put Airbud more in roles where he's like, he'd be barking like bad things. And mm. I don't know what that says about me as a person. I think I have an actually really good answer. Replace Ken Griffey Jr. with Airbud. Because it's like, <laughs> it's the role, it's the thing of like, oh, it's the guy, like, it's the best athlete. Everyone's afraid of this one. Airbud hits a huge home run. Airbud really leaps up to catch the baseball. Like, and we're just living in a universe. Where everyone's like, right? The Mariners have a dog that's really good at baseball, <laughs> and he's obviously the fan favorite because that would be everyone's favorite player. So it's just like it fills it perfectly. But now it's a dog instead of Ken Griffey Jr. Airbud slowly <laughs> sauntering to home plate with that baseline in the background is would be an incredible shot. Mm-hmm, that would be. Mm-hmm. That's good. That yeah, that's the pick. That's that's the pick. <laughs> 
Kyle, we talked last time during the Pirates episode about adding Coach Beard to the roster moves. Oh, oh, yeah. Why? You just want to make the movie worse? I'm the biggest Coach Beard hater. Oh, I think Ted Lasso is a way better what? show if he's not in it. I think it's, it, I think it's immensely better. That's a wild him. take. I, look, That's I'll a defend bonkers this. take. I'll defend this for a, a long time, but I think it's just Brendan Hunt being like, what if I kind of wrote myself into the show? I'm quirky. I think I think Ted Lasso is a better show without Coach Beard. Shoops. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> Shoots wow. you're so wrong. We got almost to the end of this podcast before a nuke was dropped. This is what Oppenheimer's going to be like. Literally a nuke at the end of the movie. Let's go, baby. Yeah, except it's just going to be Shoobs being like, Coach Beard, overrated. Don't you really like him? Look, I, I, I like wild. the character of it, but I think you got I think you cast it differently and you make him a little different. God, Stephen A. Shoobs over here. Look, I'll, I'll give the full <laughs> thesis. I could talk about this for a full episode. Throw me on when you need a, a fill-in episode, Kyle. <laughs> Whew. Oh my God, man! I was I, I was gonna say Bowers, but now I'm too sad to actually anybody. <laughs> Bowers would be a good coach, Beard. Man, yeah, yeah. Wow. Okay, the big chill, big chill. This movie has a big chill. Has multiple big chills. I actually. Yeah. Uh, obviously the standing O at the end. That's a big chill yeah, moment. That's, Love that. That's yeah, they haven't pick. left. Everyone. Love that's that. Cool. Watching Ken Griffey Jr. hit that home run, and th- this happens sometimes in sports movies. Um, like it is just good to see Ken Griffey Jr. hit home runs. Yep, it's just nice to watch. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. I think for me, the big chill was the scene when Mac Co- is testing Billy if he knows it, because like, because first the it first thing you see is just chill. like, right? It was just, I it was. It was just the cool, like, they shot it well, him acting it, the music behind it, it's showing that he's not just a baseball encyclopedia, but someone who, like, understands, like, the rationale of the game. Because the only other time you understand Billy's baseball prowess is him knowing the rules and, like, knowing a thing that happened one time in 1926. But when Billy's doing this, you realize, like, this kid understands strategy. Like, he might actually be able to pull it off. And me, forgetting the whole plot of the film, or at least all the details and stuff, I was wondering, like, is it really just going to be the justification like the kid knows stuff about baseball and that's it like he knows fun facts and trivia so now he can manage a team but when he does that and has the whole thought process i was like oh shit okay this kid can manage it he understands like the thought process of running a baseball team it made it feel much more believable so yeah that was that was my big chill yeah that's good that's good i'm still going with the standing out i love that Mm. yeah that really cool the, the the only other one that I had written down was right after Lou's home run gets robbed. Uh, Billy saying you did great, Lou, and then walking off the field with his arm around his shoulders is a very good mm-hmm. big chill moment for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Last category before more store prequel, sequel, or remake. I have a sequel idea. Oh, that hear I want to I want to okay. roll out. So, you know, it's been it's been almost thirty years. So Billy's, you know, in his forties, probably still owns the twins. Maybe he never came back to managing, decided, you know, went to college, did whatever, decided he's just been like content owning the twins, whatever. And but say, you know, we invent a really fictional scenario. Like say the twins have lost eighteen straight playoff games or something like that. Something that could never happen in real life. Like something something insane. Like that it is mathematically improbable for a mm-hmm. team to lose eighteen <laughs> consecutive playoff games. Right. And finally, Billy's like, I gotta, I gotta come out of retirement. But he's not as like fun loving anymore. Like he still knows baseball, but he's just another adult. And one of his kids is like, I, you know, I'm taking over. So we have, you know, Billy Haywood the the third, the second, whatever, taking over, something like that. I, I just, 
Honestly, I'm just I'm game for more little big league. I, I love this. Yeah, I, I restore is my pick. I think this is ripe for a remake with just mm-hmm. current. I want Shohei Otani slowly sauntering up to the plate with a cool baseline before he just hits the sweetest home run that I've ever seen. Like I just give me modern major league baseball players and give me like a new Billy Haywood. I don't care. New team doesn't matter. I just think I think this is ripe for an every 30 years remake. Yeah. I would go with more just because I think this movie is so well done. You don't necessarily have to remake it though. I do like the longest yarding of it where you're like, it's Mm -hmm. the same movie, but we've made it modern. Like I I think that would be a good call, Danny, but I think I want the sequel just because you could call the second one just big league. (laughs) Like, and if it's in the future, like, yeah, I think, I think your premise there, Kyle makes sense. Like, you know, he's, he's on the team. He's coming back. They need him to manage or whatever. And now he's, you know, dealing with his past. Like maybe he goes back and the team is shitty for the first season. So it's like, Oh, was it all a fluke? Blah, blah, blah. And like, you know, you can have the guy he fired be the manager of, uh, I don't know, the Yankees or something. And then, (laughs) You know, they have to try to break. So I, I I, want more, but a lot of it is just because they could just call it Big League and it would be great. Yeah. Since there are no more new ideas, I'm surprised it hasn't been remade. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I mean, I guess it wasn't, it wasn't like... critically beloved, but I don't I don't get it. This movie's really good. It's a very good movie. I'm I I guess I don't know, because like as a Twins fan, Kyle, like do people reference this a lot? Like, do they ever do like Billy? like nights and stuff because they do like they the cubs just did henry rowan gardner bobblehead night yeah they they have but not nearly as much like i don't know if i'm sure he's thrown out a first pitch sometime in the last 30 years but like it's it doesn't it definitely doesn't have the reverence that that rookie of the year does and i do think a lot of that comes with rookie of the year was the cubs and little big league was the twins yeah and you know but even like seven major years with the Indians, I feel like that's got a yeah. big pull too. But the 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 Indians also had that one. That movie was just crazy successful, like crazy. Mm. It's yeah. one of the most popular baseball, you know, comedies, sports comedies ever. Like so that I think that the movie stands above. But I think when it comes down to it, both neither of these movies are crazy successful. But the Cubs, like the Twins, six years after this movie comes out, are were in legitimate danger of being contracted. Like that's how mm. you know not popular they were. And so I think that I really think that it has so much to do with it was because of the twins. Again, if it had been, um, you know, the maybe like even like the angels, like someone in somewhere in California where like Hollywood is around or something like that. Like, cause I think angels, like angels in the outfield got multiple sequels and that movie's not good either. That mm. like, we'll get into yeah. it eventually when I, when I Amazon, you guys some DVDs, <laughs> but like, that movie is nowhere near as good as this movie. Not even yeah. close. Yeah. And yeah, it's, I'm just, I'm so perplexed on why this isn't more beloved. And I, yeah. I don't, I don't really understand it. Yeah. I think it might just be, I don't know. I'd have to see like when it came out and stuff like that. But like, the, yeah, this movie has no business not being as just equal to rookie of the year. And maybe it's cause rookie of the year is like cheesier and much more of a kid's movie that like, parents had their kids watch it because it's so much more cheesier that it's very much a children's movie so that it just gets like more views whereas this one like it's kind of in between but this i don't know this is this is just a better film and it's a shame that it's not as popular i i hope it could maybe have like a late surge but like 
This movie's really good. I see the light, Kyle. It's a really good, really good movie. That's, I mean, I can't think of a better, a better, uh, you know, better, better way to end this episode than that. Um, Mike, I'm so glad that, that you've seen the light, that you're here Mm -hmm. with us on Mm -hmm. Little Big League Corner. Tell the folks where they can follow you, where they can check out your pods. Sure. So if you want to check out the Percy Jackson pod we referenced in the beginning of this episode, The Newest Olympian, you can search for The Newest Olympian wherever you get your podcasts or go to thenewestolympian.com. And then I make a whole bunch of other shows. Kyle has been on some of those other shows. Uh, you can check them all out on my website, which is just shubes, S-C-H-U-B dot E-S. And then I'm on Twitter f- for now, as long as it exists, uh, and Instagram at shubes17, S-C-H-U-B-E-S-1-7. The big question, though, are you on threads? No, because did you see how much data stuff you got to agree to? I There's four hyperlinks. I was like, absolutely not. I Mike, passed. do you think I read any of that? Bro, <laughs> four, four hyperlinks. I'm already four. on TikTok. My data is... Yeah, oh, I've also avoided TikTok. They yeah. can have my data. It's nah, I yeah. was... I. It felt weird, and also I just my life i was like oh, i wish i was on twitter less now is my time now is my time to put my money where my mouth is i'm just not going to deal with threads rather than go with like instagram twitter i'll just post more on instagram if i want like what's the i don't i'm i'm out i'm so out shout out to zuck for being a piece of shit making me not want to sign up for it but like i've also heard it's like not good from a user experience like you cannot put your timeline in chronological order and you cannot make your timeline only people that you follow so uh i i just i'm i'm avoiding it so i will say the vibes are better but the user experience is, is suffering. And again, we are trading like one shitty billionaire for another shitty billionaire. Mm-hmm. The thing that I will, if we're just picking like which billionaire, Elon Musk makes it, I mean, and we're just off in fucking left field now. <laughs> I feel like makes it his mission to be, to be mean to people and hurt people like, and, yeah. and thinks he's the smartest person in the room. Like Mark Zuckerberg just wanted girls to like him and like lucked into this this website like it's like yeah but all the election data stealing yeah that's super that's again like he didn't ask for any of this but he just created the most popular website on the planet like and you know yeah and that's but that's the thing with billionaires like we conflate wealth gets conflated with genius all the time and most of these guys are just people who got lucky and who are Mm -hmm. addicted to addicted to wealth um so you know, threads, man, threads. Uh, Danny, where can the folks follow you? <laughs> what a segue. What an incredible segue. Um, yeah, uh, listen to the rankings. Uh, me and my co-host slash uh, arch enemy slash friend Ty, uh, we just, we rank stuff. Uh, we're gearing up for uh, Expelliagus, which is a name that I hate, uh, but has become a bit that I can't live down at this point, where we do different Harry Potter related-ish topics. Um, so we're really excited about that. Join our Discord. It's free. Um, the links to that are all over like our social media. We're at Rankings Pod on Twitter and Instagram. Um, we've got a cool little fun community in there. Uh, free to join that. Uh, we just started a Patreon not too long ago, uh, and uh, we extra monthly bonus episodes. We mail out cool stickers sometimes, so come hang out. Yeah, everyone go do that. If you enjoyed this episode of Big Screen Sports, subscribe wherever you get your podcast. Rate and leave your review if you're an Apple podcast. Follow us on Threads. I uh, actually haven't made a uh, actually I've made a Calvary Big Screen Sports. Um, if you want to support the show and get a say in picking movies for the show to cover, like this one, support on Patreon. If you're a baseball fan, check out my interview series from Fiend to the Farm. The next episode is an absolute banger with Hall of Fame longtime Miami baseball coach Jim Morris. A lot of great stories featuring wow. A Rod, 
Ryan Braun, Nomar. A lot of cool stories. Everyone go check that out. And for Big Stream Sports, we'll catch you next Monday. Thanks for listening.